0: Well, today we're beginning a new series of teaching on John's Gospel, uh, beginning with the famous first chapter of John, which some of our hymns have been reflecting on. You recall the words, You were there at the beginning. And uh, so we're going to read, Marion's going to read to us from John's Gospel, uh, and we're doing the whole first chapter. Uh, It's a long chapter, so we're splitting it in two. Uh, Marion's going to read the first half, and I will be reading the second part.
1: I I can't help you with the page number, because I'm using my own Bible. 1063. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth, came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one.
0: The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come," he replied, "and you will see." So they went and saw where he was staying, and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard who uh, what Jesus had said, and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him. We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found this, the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are. Are the king of Israel. Jesus said. You believe. Because I told you. I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added. I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending. And descending. On the son of man. Let's pray for Mark as he comes to speak to us about that wonderful chapter. Father God, we ask that you will bless Mark and bless us as we come to look at your word. We thank you that you both inspire your word in the first place and then come by your Holy Spirit to speak to us through it when it is preached. So open our hearts uh, to respond in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Thanks so much, Ray. And Marion, I've been thinking this week about the things people say about each other. Sometimes people say quite unkind things about each other. And this is an election year. We're going to hear a lot of unkind things said about other people. The 19th century Prime Minister, Benjamin Disraeli, said this of his rival, William Gladstone. If Gladstone fell into the Thames, that would be a misfortune but if somebody dragged him out again, that would be a calamity. Marilyn Monroe once said, if you're going to be two-faced, at least make one of them pretty. Uh, What about Muhammad Ali? He said, if they can make penicillin out of mouldy bread, they can sure make something out of you. And finally, one from Groucho Marx. He may look like an idiot and talk like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. So the things people say about each other are significant. We talk to each other about other people, don't we? And those conversations inform our view of people. So today Ray's just said we're going we're beginning a new series about John's Gospel. It's going to take us the whole way through the Gospel. And this morning we're going to start by just taking a little look at the overall context of John and his first chapter. And then we're going to get stuck in with some, some of the pretty big things that get said about Jesus. We've got ten big things that people say about him. But let's start by talking about John's Gospel as a whole. John is different from the other three Gospels. Matthew, Mark and Luke share quite a lot of different stories in common, but John has a good deal of content which is unique to his gospel. It's clearly written by an eyewitness to the events, and there's evidence both in the text and from the time very soon afterwards that the writer was indeed the Apostle John. Although there is some question about that with some of the commentators, but for the purpose of this series, we're going to be assuming that John is the writer. And if you want more reading about that, I have plenty. John's Gospel is thought to be a tiny bit later than the other Gospels, probably written between about 55 and 95 AD. John was the longest-lived of the apostles, the only one who wasn't executed for his faith. But it's still written comfortably within the lifetime of people who saw Jesus in person. John is very clear... Why he's writing, and that's towards the end of the book. He writes, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's chapter 20 and verse 31. So, John is hoping that just by reading his book, people may come to faith in Jesus. That makes it an excellent book to read and study with people who don't yet have faith, who want to explore and find out what Jesus is about. And in fact, millions of people could tell you that they read John's Gospel and read it again and came to faith reading it. So let's think then about John, chapter 1. So we've got a little theological introduction to the book, which is the one we get read on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, followed by four short scenes which lead up to the wedding at Cana, about which next week. And we've got a special guest star next week. Uh, our wonderful mission partner John Hargreaves is coming to tell us a bit about his work and to explore John chapter 2. But let's have a little, little look at those 10 things about Jesus that get said about him in chapter 1. First, the Word. Verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. John deliberately echoes Genesis 1, chapter 1, in the beginning. And he places Jesus with God as God's word. So in Genesis, God speaks creation into being. God says, let there be light, and there is light, and so on. And here we see then that creation happens through Jesus. Because when God speaks creation into being, God's word is Jesus. That's what it means to be the word. That's our first thing. Then we've got light. Verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Watch out during, as we read John's Gospel, watch out for light and darkness. It's a really key theme that gets picked up all the way through the Gospel. And here he identifies Jesus as the light. So verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. To give a few spoilers for what's coming up, when the Jewish teacher visits uh, the Jewish teacher Nicodemus visits Jesus in chapter 3, he does it in the dark. When Judas goes out to betray Jesus, it's on the Passover night, which is a glorious full moon and we're told it was dark really just watch out for light and darkness in this gospel Jesus is the light so then the son verse 14 the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth so Jesus is clear from the beginning that Jesus or John is clear from the beginning that Jesus is no ordinary human being. Here is God's son. So here is God himself. That's our third thing. Our fourth thing then, the Lamb of God. So after our introduction, John introduces his namesake, John the Baptist. This isn't like EastEnders where everyone has a different name. This is one of those stories where some people have the same name. Uh, We've got people who are the son of John. We've got John number one, John number two. Uh, John the Baptist says of himself, verse 23, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord, quoting from Isaiah. So we first find John the Baptist on day one of our four-day story. That's what we're going through four days once we get through that introduction. He is being quizzed by the Jewish leaders And he's really clear about who he is. He's not the Messiah, he's not Elijah, he's not the prophet, but he's somebody who has come to call his people back to God. And then on day two he sees Jesus, verse 29, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus then, he says, is the Lamb of God. Now, we've just touched on Passover. The high point of the Jewish calendar is the festival of Passover. And here, a lamb is killed in place of a person. The lamb's death sheds blood, and this rescues people from God's judgment. In the original story in Exodus, the angel of death passed over people who smeared the lamb's blood on their doorposts. But the angel killed the firstborn of everybody else John makes it clear that Jesus' death is the fulfillment of this when Jesus died he is sinless like a spotless lamb so his death enables him enables all of those people who trust in him to withstand God's judgment just like the Passover lamb Jesus is the lamb of God our fourth thing are you keeping up so far how are we doing we're still awake but there's signs of life in the congregation that's good Uh, jesus is the one who baptizes with the holy spirit this is our fifth thing verse 33 john the baptist says i myself did not know him but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the holy spirit So John's baptism, John baptizes with water to forgive sins, but Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit to bring new life. It is the Holy Spirit living in Christians who brings the power and presence of Christ into your life each day. And if you're struggling in your faith, a great prayer, and a great prayer regardless of what you're going through, is more Holy Spirit. God, I want more is a great prayer for 2024. Our sixth thing then, God's chosen one. Verse 34, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The Old Testament repeatedly promises a rescuer, someone who God is going to send to bring his people back to him. And now John the Baptist identifies very clearly, Jesus is God's chosen one. Then our seventh thing, uh, Nathaniel says three things about Jesus. Uh, But here we get, on day three, two of John the Baptist's disciples, uh, and they call Jesus rabbi. We've got Andrew and someone who's not named, who most likely is the gospel writer John, encounter Jesus for themselves, verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So of all our ten things... The word rabbi is the least controversial. No serious historian, Christian or not, disputes that there was a Jewish rabbi called Jesus operating in the Holy Land around 30 AD. Most people who encountered Jesus in his life did so because he was a teacher. And today it's pretty safe to argue that Jesus' teaching is among the most powerful in history. (laughs) And these are straightforward things that most people would adopt in our society. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't criticize somebody without trying to look at yourself first. All of those things that Jesus said, they just make sense to us. And they make sense, not because they're common sense, but because we are steeped in this teaching. The most powerful teaching in history from Jesus the rabbi. That's number seven. Number eight, Messiah or Christ. So John's disciple, Andrew, becomes the first evangelist, verse 41. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And here then is God's promised rescuer sent to redeem his people, the Messiah, the Christ, that is the word. Here is another way that John differs from the other Gospels. In the other it's really deliberate that no one confesses that Jesus is the Christ until halfway through. You get it in Mark chapter 8. But here, this happens right at the beginning. Jesus is the Christ. And then again, we've had son. Our ninth thing is son of God. Because the next day, Nathaniel says two big things about Jesus. Verse 49, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Nathaniel is one of those apostles who gets a bit of a rough ride. We don't hear anything about him apart from this little exchange. So enjoy this if you're a Nathaniel fan. Um, This is the only time he speaks. The briefest encounter with Jesus was enough to persuade him that here is the Son of God. Absolutely remarkable. And the King of Israel. That's our last thing, our tenth thing about Jesus. And that's what we're thinking about in Epiphany. The assertion of the Magi that someone has been born king of the Jews. Nobody is born a king. Here is the king of Israel. Ten things then that John says about Jesus. Let's give you a quick recap. Uh, He's the word. He's the light. He's the son. He's the lamb of God. He's the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He's God's chosen one. He's a rabbi. He's the Messiah or the Christ. He's the son of God. He's the king of Israel. That's a lot for one chapter of Scripture, isn't it? What a long chapter it was, but what a lot there is in there. And can I encourage you, as we start on this journey in John's Gospel, to be reading it for yourself. There is so much here. There's so much that I can't say this morning about chapter 1. It will repay you studying it and reading it and praying into it this week. But I wonder, out of all those things, who Jesus is for you. This morning. Because all of these things make demands on your life. You can ignore God's word or you can take it to heart. You can listen to words and not do anything about them, can't you? You can sit in the darkness or you can come into the light. You can watch a sacrifice happen and you can accept that that was for you. Or you can just walk away and think how appalling about all that blood. You can follow Jesus' teaching. You can choose not to. It's a free country. The people in John 1, to a man, went with Jesus. They chose to do that. But throughout his ministry, most people who saw Jesus walked away. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This week, can I suggest you spend a bit of time in this passage just thinking about which of those things is challenging for you and why that might be. And then think about what your words, what your actions, what your inner life is going to say. What are you going to say about Jesus in your own life? Let's pray. And just take a moment and bring to mind something that God is saying to you this morning. Lord Jesus Christ, may our lives speak of you. In your precious name we pray.